Hello, I'm Alex and this is the Geordie Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode 21. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the podcast team, Kath and Dom. Hello, everyone. Hi there, Hello. good afternoon. How's everyone doing? Good, yeah, yourself? Yeah. You, you hesitated there, Dom. <laughs> you had to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, starting to the, the word christmas is starting to creep into the mm. conversations these days so yeah we had a christmas playlist on in the car yesterday i'm sorry oh. yeah the, the, the girls requested it <laughs> that's okay it's all it's, right we're inside of the we're inside of the uh, zone now you're allowed you know we've we've, we've lost that whamageddon game or whatever it is we've, we've had that on already yeah we had it on yesterday yeah i've lost so you did it to yourself yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we had, we had a really busy weekend though because the girls um, are in beavers and scouts, and they did a sort of virtual campout. So um, I agreed that we could sleep in the camper van on the drive. And when I opened the curtains on Saturday, and it was just you know white with frost outside. Mm. And I thought, oh no, what have I agreed to? But uh, it was great. We had we've had zooms. We've been making brownies, campfires, <laughs> camping, all sorts of stuff. It's been great, but full on, really full on, <laughs> but, but good, good. Kept us out of trouble. <laughs> oh, what about you, Kath? What have you been up to? Yeah, it was a really busy weekend too. Uh, caught up in various socially distanced ways to friends and. Uh, Zoom, that sort of thing. So when it got to Sunday night, I, I was amazed, thinking, it's Sunday night. <laughs> Where's the weekend gone? <laughs> Where did the weekend go, yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, it was a really, really nice weekend. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. So why has it been so full on for you then, Dom? I made a board game. You made a board game? I made a board game that took part in a game jam, and a game jam is like a, a challenge that, that's a short period of time, like a week where you've got to make something. And I took part with a few other artists actually mm -hmm. and made a game about bees nice and gardening i started dreaming in kind of game logic by the end of it it was <laughs> oh yeah but it was fun nice are we going to see it on the shelves next uh, christmas uh it's you can down i made it so you can download it as a pdf and just print it out on a couple of sheets of paper oh, i might have to do that send us the link man i'll send you the link yeah <laughs> good stuff <laughs> Uh, shall we introduce this week's guest interview? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm going to hand over to Kath for this one because Kath did the interview for this week. Kath. How to introduce this lovely, lovely person. Wow, yes, Kath Darling. I've known Kath for a couple of years. Um, she arrived in my office a couple of years ago and uh, wanted to talk about how you collected memories. And when she explained who she worked for, in the palliative care unit. It was such an amazing concept and we had a wonderful conversation at that point and, and then another one and another one and eventually got a project put together. So coffee conversations, loads of paper and it was altogether a wonderful experience. So I thought she would be a nice person to share some of her life experience really. And Although I've, I've known Kath for a couple of years, I learned a lot more about her, I think. And it was a real privilege to talk to her. Absolutely privileged. Really enjoyed it. Hello, 
Kath, it's lovely to be with you today and to share an hour of your time. Could you, for the purposes of our listeners, introduce yourself? Yes, certainly. My name's Kath Darling. I am an occupational therapist and a writer and I have a small natural skincare business and I'm a single parent to two boys. That's, that explains why you've got such a busy life, doesn't it? Yeah, that's quite a lot going on. There's quite a lot going on, yeah. Um, for the purposes of the Geordie Guide, we always ask someone to provide a photograph, and you provided a beautiful photograph of you on the beach. Um, I was intrigued by it. It's It was captioned The Ice Queen, and I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit of the story about how that photograph was taken and why it's why it means something to you. Um, yes, I can. I mean... Queen was probably a bit ambitious of me, really, to, <laughs> to caption that. But um, <clears throat> I, it was a picture that was taken just um, two, three weeks ago on a very cold but clear sunny day. And um, I was actually feeling very flat. I was having a bit of a bad day. And, um, and really, one of my defaults to counteract that is to get outside so that's what we did. And we went up to the beach at Seaton Sluice, um, lit a fire, and the children rolled down the dunes and um, ran around and we made hot chocolates. And um, and uh, a friend of mine happened to be there and she took a picture of me mid-laughing, actually. And, um, and it... it it was a lovely picture because it, it just captured for me uh, what a difference it made to my day to get out, really, and, and, and get out in nature and in the fresh air. So, yeah, I felt I felt very happy at that point. It totally turned my day around. So um, it was it was a nice it was a nice experience, and it was a, so the photograph reminds me of that really. Does is that one of the ways that you can keep your life in balance, you know, bearing in mind the difficult times we're living through, to to find that space in nature and outside and with the family. Is that important to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say it's 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 my tonic really. Um, particularly having worked for such a long time in a clinical environment. Um, which is very sterile, obviously, and uh, um, getting outside, getting outside in the woods or in the sea or on the beach or um, and, and just filling my lungs with all that lovely fresh air and being around all of that nature is, is just the perfect um, way to, to sort of wind down from from work and from the the general pressures of 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 modern living so yeah it's it's very important to me how how long have you worked in the palliative care unit um so five years in the palliative care unit 17 18 years altogether actually probably more in healthcare. um but but uh, over 17 years qualified as an occupational therapist and the last five of those in palliative care, um, which is um, uh, 
for people that have a life-limiting illness. And um, that's how we met, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. Uh, it was a, it was a, a, a great meeting of minds, Kath, wasn't it? Because um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I met some incredible people, uh, incredible patients, as a result of the palliative care work, and and it was in meeting those patients that I, I became really interested in in uh, stories and collecting stories and. Um, and I realised that uh, the majority of the patients weren't quite well enough to do that on their own. So, um, so yes. So I made some inquiries, and I was I was given your contact details, Kath, and um, mm. and so began a wonderful <laughs> collaboration between you and I, where we we started <laughs> to um, document the stories of some of our patients on the palliative care unit, and it just was a very um, powerful thing really that we we started as a pilot um with the purposes of I think initially we we planned on collecting six people's stories and we now have a collection of 40 40 people's stories um so it's just it's it's been an incredible experience there was there was one thing in particular that 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 I could really get behind and you you were worried that when a patient came into the palliative care unit their medical condition took over from the person their personal experience life experience and you were really passionate about that weren't you You wanted to change that yeah I think um I think that um working in healthcare now is really quite different to working in healthcare a generation ago and my my mum was a nurse all our work in life and I know that that she loved it and that um she felt that she could really care for the patients and I think the pressure on NHS staff now means that it can be very easy to um, focus on the diagnosis as opposed to the person with the diagnosis. There's, there's so much pressure on uh, discharging and and um, and we're always you know there's always staffing issues, resource issues. Um, it, it can it can be tempting to be very task focused um, and. In palliative care in particular, it's really important, I think, that we um, remember that our patients are individual people and that they're not just, you know, the gentleman in bed three with lung cancer. Actually, this man has a history and a family and a life and, and you know, and we, we have an opportunity, a, a very privileged opportunity to... to acknowledge that for him um and with him so yeah i feel really passionate about the about the the patient professional dynamic and and how we um try to encourage the patient to uh, be considered an expert in their situation as well as the professional i remember coming onto the unit for the very first time and being apprehensive going into the day room 
I've never seen so many boxes of chocolates and packets of biscuits in my entire life. And obviously, <laughs> yeah, it's really dangerous. It, 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 it was it was like carbohydrate central. Um, yeah. But <laughs> and then uh, a couple of the volunteers and myself interviewed some of, of the patients. And again, I, I was nervous. But once I got to speak to it was it was a lovely couple that, that I interviewed and it was it was no different to to meeting someone in their own home in Jesmond or, or wherever there was the, the the illness just disappeared faded into the background and I realized then why why you were so passionate about it but we managed to make quite an impact as particularly when the film was made could you, could you mm. tell me a little bit about the film <laughs> Yeah, it makes me cringe every time I watch it. <laughs> only, only, only because obviously nobody really likes the sound of their own voice and and uh, seeing themselves on film. But I, I, what makes me cringe the most when I watch it is how I suppose how passionately I. I feel feel about it and that I think that comes across in the film and it does kind of make me go oh god you know um, <laughs> you're not supposed to love your job as much as that are you? you know you're not supposed to feel sort of evangelical about your work but um but uh yeah the film was great that was a great experience I really enjoyed that and it, and it enabled you and I Kath to um sort of showcase some of the work that we'd done at a number of conferences um, yeah. around the country. Could you, could, you, could you tell us about the dog that ate the Christmas cake? Yeah. That, was, that, <laughs> oh. that ended up as the title of the film, The Dog That it Ate did. the Christmas Cake. It did, and, and I remember the lady that, that told us that story. I remember her so clearly. I remember her name. I remember the, the bed she was in on the unit. Um, and we must have captured her story three or four years ago, quite a long time ago. She was a lovely, lovely woman and she was happy to engage with this, with the process, the interview process, I suppose, if you want to call it an interview. And she told us a story about how this one year she baked the Christmas cake and she'd, she'd left it on the sideboard in the kitchen to cool before she was going to ice it and she'd gone out I think she'd gone out for an hour or two when she came back she described the dog the dog's belly was just about dragging on the ground and and she looked in the kitchen and the dog had pulled the cake off the sideboard and it had eaten the whole thing and it, it really made her laugh to recall that and it really made me laugh to to hear that story and it just I suppose what it did was it illustrated for me that it's not all doom and gloom, you know, that, that actually the, the palliative, palliative care and the palliative care unit is just a wonderful place to work because you have an opportunity to enrich people's lives at that time and, and, and there's a lot of laughter, there's potential for a lot of laughter and, and, and it, it's that very um, touching humanity, sort of, you know, laughing about those silly little things that... that that you've done this lady actually passed away within a week of capturing the recording and I remember taking it out to her daughter's house to do the recording to deliver it to her and and that was that was very powerful that's something I'll never forget as well because just to see what it meant to the family to have a a, a, a copy of their 
their, their mother's voice, which they can listen to, you know, indefinitely. The enduring memory of that film was the her final statement when she said, I've had a good life and if I die tomorrow, I know I've had a good life and I've had a wonderful family. And then you told mm. me shortly after that that you had passed away. So mm. it what a wonderful thing everything. for a family to yeah, what a wonderful thing for a family to hear hear us saying that. You know, it's um, I think do you know I think sometimes there can be an element you know of of um, of people are afraid to have those difficult conversations and actually we're afraid of other people's emotions and, and not knowing how to contain those or not knowing how to support people with those. And actually it, it's a really important aspect, I think, of connecting with others is, is, is mm-hmm. you know, being prepared to go there, being prepared to go to that difficult place. It's an interesting aspect of, of happiness because mm-hmm. I know... I've read some of the thank you letters from the families. It is the voice. You've 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 given us a, a remembrance of my mum's voice. We never really thought about that at the beginning, did we? That that wasn't one of the things that particularly we were trying to do. For me, I was I was looking for the, the stories about local life, which is what I'm passionate about. And it's interesting to look back on it in this particular COVID world that you've managed you've managed to create that wonderful archive. Is it possible to see happiness in desperately sad situations? Does it Yeah. Is it something that you've experienced? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And um I, I think it comes back to um connection really and um our connection with others and and the sort of depth and authenticity of connection that we have with others that that it's that despite um trauma and sadness and and diff- very very difficult situations it's still possible to find some pleasure in um, our interactions with others in the things that we do where the ways in which we spend our time so yeah I've had some wonderful experiences you're a multi-talented individual and how you've got the energy to do all the things you do but you told me once that you'd taken the boys to a climbing wall and you had actually given it a try I'm sure you said to me that it had been a most amazing experience that you hadn't expected. Yeah. Could you, can you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I can remember that. And I, t- I took the kids for for them and um, and actually I had a go and, and I've, I've, I've always been terrified of heights. And um, I, I kind of made myself have a go for the kids' benefit, really. I thought, oh, well, they'll be more inclined to do it if I have a try. And I ended up loving it probably more than they did. And um, it was terrifying and exhilarating both at the same time, you know, and that became something that we really enjoyed doing together as a family. So we've continued that as as much as we can, you know, with the the current situation. I mean, this year has been, we've had limited opportunities to do that, but... um, but yeah, that was great fun. We, we do we we do a lot together, the kids and I, and um, and and that's really important, I think, as well. You know, for that for building that connection, it's really important that we have shared interests and that we do enjoy things tell, together. Tell me about one or two of your other ventures, spare time occupations. <laughs> yeah, spare time. What's that? What's that? Um, so I write for a magazine. Um, it's a parenting magazine, a natural parenting magazine 
called Juno magazine and um, I periodically write articles for them and 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 they publish them and I, I sort of mostly I, I write reflections of my experiences of parenting and things I've learned and um, any tips or any advice or any anything that I think would might be helpful to somebody else so that's something I really find very cathartic it's um it's a bit like a public diary really I just sort of I, I, I write my thoughts and experiences and then they 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 go out there I suppose um and the the other thing that I spend a lot of my time doing is um I have a, a natural skincare business that I run from a, a studio in my home um I moved to this house for the purposes really of, of it had enough space for me to do that um so I make soaps and oil blends and uh, balms and tinctures and um so did you just sit down one day and decide I am going to run a a skincare business or was was there a rationale behind it no well when um when I had my first son um he had terrible problems with eczema and um and and it really affected him globally really affected his sleep his his comfort his happiness his 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 nutritional intake affected everything and as a result it really affected me um it was my first time as a mum and and I obviously had this sort of ridiculously high unrealistic standard that I should be able to solve any issue that my baby has and 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 I couldn't solve this one and 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 it was really distressing to see him in so much discomfort and it and it affected his sleep which was obviously a massive issue for us so I had you know I was backwards and forwards to the GP and I had some advice and and that was prescribed various different creams and what have you which I didn't feel were solving the problem. I suppose it's it's that thing, isn't it, of putting a plaster over something and not really looking at, not really understanding the root cause of of it. And as time went on, we discovered that he actually has some severe food allergies, which were um, triggering these skin problems. But in the meantime, in an effort to find some kind of solution, I started learning about ways to um look after his skin naturally and I went away actually on a residential training course which was brilliant because I'd not you know I, I, I had a six-month-old baby and was like oh my god I'm gonna sleep all weekend it's gonna be great and I, and, I, and I had some instruction on on how to make things and I started making I started by making a soap a really really mild unscented soap that I could use to wash his hair with and it took me it took me 12 months actually of trial and error to get the the recipe perfected and it was it was just a a really great experience because it gave me another focus and it gave me a a feeling of um I suppose efficacy that I was going to that I was doing something towards solving this problem and then um and then it kind of evolved and people started wanting to buy the products and I had them tested and approved and made other things a massage oil and a lotion and and um and I've been doing it. Well, he's ten now, so I've been doing it nine, ten years, and um, and I'm now training in um, herbalism to kind of supplement my knowledge around um, herbal remedies for 
skincare. So that takes up quite a lot of my time. A complete contrast to being in the hospital. A part of your character is is that you never take anything lying down. <laughs> That's a nice thing. Like, that. like a dog always... with a bone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, tenacious, <laughs> tenacious, persistent. Maybe I yes. think um, I, I yeah. think it's a mindset, isn't it? That uh, the the idea that yeah. you know there must be something I can do here. You know that that idea that there must be something I might not be able to do it all. But I can remember at one of the conferences that we went to that it was a beautiful, a beautiful sunny afternoon, and there was there was a, a several tables and chairs with you know six or eight people around them, and after a few minutes. You were holding court <laughs> on what you believed in, <laughs> and you you had you had sort of five or six people around you absolutely oh, mesmerised. Oh, really? I don't remember you, that. What you I remember where say. it was though, because yeah. it was it was Belfast, wasn't it? I think because it was red hot. You flew in and flew yeah. out again. But oh, that was a fascinating conference. <laughs> it was brilliant, and obviously we made time for a glass of wine, didn't we, in the evening? A little bit of what you like, kind of thing. That, that was a that was a brilliant conference, wasn't it? That was really interesting because there was some fascinating speakers, and I think that was a a um, the annual oral history. Yes, it could. And, well it was, and the theme was something about and dangerous um, stories in dangerous places, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, that yeah. was great. Going to the conferences because we were both petrified. Basically, the first one. Uh, what What are mm, we doing here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it. It turned it turned out that actually there were other people who were thinking about about the same thing or or who were approaching it from a different way, which was hugely reassuring. And then for them to come up to you afterwards and ask questions about how you do what you do was just so affirming. Mm. Yeah, so you, absolutely, it, you go through that terrible. Is it is it going to work? Will I have a voice? Will anybody be interested? Will they, will they grow? All of that, isn't it? Yeah. And actually, and then at the end of it, and I think I think sort of we worry, don't we, about speaking in public and presenting and 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 things. But I think if you feel really passionate about what you're going to talk about, and if you really believe in the purpose of what of what you're trying to deliver, it, it sort of takes on a life of its own, and you don't even. You know, it, it just comes across, doesn't it? And you engage people in that way, I think. Um, and I think we went there to the first one. I think we went to the first one just thinking, feeling very humble and thinking, oh, God, how would, you know, what should we say about this? And then I remember we both felt really good about the calibre of our talk, you know, that actually we'd done a really good job and, you know, and, and that people were fascinated by what we'd done and, and and that was a real revelation to us and that sort of encouraged us to keep going, didn't it, and, and keep sharing the work. You haven't finished the journey no. yet, really, have you? Because what what are your plans now well, for, you, for the Orange Well, story? you and I aren't finished, Kath, by any stretch of the imagination. We're too, we're, we're too much of a good partnership, I think thing to um but uh but yeah I want to continue there's a few different ideas I've got but I want to continue the story that recording stories and, and um looking at what they can do for us and 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 how they can benefit us um I think as a society and as individuals so I'm looking at opportunities for further research I'd, I'd like to think about doing a PhD one day and um obviously 
be Dr. Darling, which would be wonderful. Um, yes. But um, yes. but <laughs> and, and, and writing, I'd like to publish some work um, around this project. Um, and I'd like to continue interviewing people. Um, I just think there's so many wonderful, amazing people out there that are really sort of unsung heroes you know people that we don't really know about but but are doing incredible things every day and and are so sort of altruistic and kind and and I'd really like to the opportunity to to celebrate to capture some of those and celebrate some of those you know then I'm sure we've all met characters in our lives that we've kind of gone oh you know he just he was just a regular Joe but actually he'd done all this incredible work and devoted his life to this that or the other and I'd, I'd like to sort of um champion the the you know just our, our local heroes really that um and I, and I and I love the Geordie voice so there's nothing better than capturing a good thick Geordie accent you know telling you how They've done this or they've done that and e-pet, you know, <laughs> if you only knew. And oh, so, yes. um, yeah, so I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to oh. keep researching. Well, I'd like to keep interviewing. Well, I, I don't like the term interview because it feels more like a, um, that sounds very formal. That's and I, true. I, I, yes. But I, I'd like to keep capturing. That's the nice thing about podcasts, yeah. actually. Yeah. Podcasts are much more informal. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, one of, one of the things that, that I miss are our afternoon coffee conversations because that's when the most trouble yeah. starts. <laughs> yes, it is. But we can't, we, it is what, we can't do them at the moment no. because, every, you know, our lovely cafe is closed. Um, but... It's that... It's that just, just beginning. It, Sorry, it's go that ahead. opportunity to sort of um, bounce off each other, isn't it, and... and, and sort of excite each other with our sort of uh, the thoughts of oh, why don't we do this we could do that you know it's that crea- it's sharing that creativity and, and and encouraging that in each other isn't it and, and yeah I miss that as well I think I think we we bounce all over the place in our conversations yeah. yes and then and then eventually you'll get your PhD oh, and you'll be so. wonderful Dr. well and then, and then I can join you on the on the PhD um, pedestal because you are you know <laughs> You are up there for me, so um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll Got see. The I mean, it's yeah. it's it's the practicalities yeah. as well, isn't it? Of um, of making the time to do a big piece of work like that, but Absolutely. I do feel that it's so important, and it's definitely been a life changing experience for me. It's really it's really altered my view of what's important and um, how to be happy, basically. Can we can we just think think back as, as we move towards the end of of the of the not not an yeah. interview <laughs> of the not interview um, the not um. interview twenty twenty has been such such well there's there's not really words for what twenty twenty has been mm. like and if if you are sitting now looking back to March January February March. Has has your world view on what what is happiness changed at all? Would you would you think different things may may represent happiness, or have you not changed at I, all? I think that um, 
oh god it's really hard to sort of communicate this without um offending anybody but but for me I kind of feel like um I've been living in this way for a long time you know as a single parent there's so many I'm so limited in the in the in the opportunities that I have to go out and socialize and what have you you know that I, I have the children full time and so they're always with me so we always do everything together so our lives have been very similar to this for years and the things that we love to do are the things that we have been doing through lockdown and what have you which are you know to get outside spend some time in nature and spend time together I think um I realized that homeschooling makes me very unhappy because that was incredibly challenging and um and and I had to I, I had to look at a more creative way to do that for us because sitting at a table with a pen and a piece of paper is um it's not our natural way of being as a family, really. So I, I had to look at more creative ways to deliver some kind of homeschooling education. But in terms of what makes me happy, no, I, I think um, I almost feel like, you know, hey, folks, this, this is it. This is what, you know, welcome to my world. Because actually, you know, you don't necessarily find happiness in a on the the clothing rail of a high street store or or uh, you know an online shop or you know actually get outside and and commune with nature and and connect with your family and and you know um spend time with the people that you love if you can even if it's virtually you know I, I, I started to um video call my, my mom every day because I couldn't see her when she was shielding and 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 I thought, why didn't I do this before? Because this is lovely. You know, we're sitting having breakfast and, and video calling each other. So it's been very hard because obviously in the hospital, things have been very different and it's been very challenging and very distressing for patients who can't see their families and um, and for staff that are keeping all the plates spinning. But in my personal life, I, I always knew that the key for me to happiness was a simple existence um and that's just and this year's just reinforced that so what about you two what did you think of it i thought it was brilliant yeah um it was a really calming interview sometimes the interviews can be a laugh a minute can't they and depending on who you're talking to and she just had a very uh, measured and relaxed way of approaching all the different problems she'd encountered. And she seemed to be really focused on solutions as well and well-being. The, the bit where she talks about um, her son's eczema and that leading to lots of thinking and lots of work to develop the, the soap and the other things that she makes. Um, and the fact that it had taken her 12 months to get it right as well. Made me think what a meticulous person she must be yeah, as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that kind of relates to a, a job. So uh, yeah, it was really interesting. I hadn't I hadn't realised that uh, Essen had had eczema, uh, particularly from from a baby, which must have been cr- tremendously stressful. And the way she handled it, mm-hmm. um, instinctively, she knew there was something that needed to be done, 
and mm-hmm. it it took all those months to to find out what exactly it was and then to come up with a solution mm-hmm. in the way that she did and then turn it into a business think, yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> it's great uh, yeah i i thought that i wrote a few things down actually while i was listening to the interview and again that that theme of being in nature came out um which i think has come up a couple of times in in other mm. interviews that i did being in nature blowing the cobwebs away i think is something that brings her happiness and, and well-being and talking about her work as well I, th- I thought it was really interesting what she was saying about it's important not to be too task focused mm. all the time i mean obviously there is a a time when it is important to be task focused but <laughs> not to forget that the people that they're working with are individuals not just um patient x in bed five um you know they they are all individuals with with life stories and, and experiences mm-hmm. and i mean she clearly loves her job or loved her job in in palliative care as well that that came through really mm-hmm. really strongly and that despite the environment you you know you can still find happiness in mm. that environment as well it's it's how you spend your time is the the thing that stood out for me really mm. um yeah loads of stuff in it as as always but yeah that was really good when i went on the ward quite regularly usually for like admin purposes the volunteers interviewed uh residents there and i i did one interview and it was a husband and wife and we just had this most amazing conversation about her working life. Mm-hmm. And within five minutes, you, you'd just forgotten where you were, basically. It was um, it's a really humbling experience. And then when we got the dog that ate the Christmas key story <laughs> out of it, and it's, it's really um, sort of relevant now because with Christmas coming up and... Uh, I, I'll never forget that one. It was what is the dog there, the Christmas cake story? So a dog stole some Christmas cake and got a big fat belly. Ate the whole lot, the whole Christmas cake, yes. Blimey. <laughs> I think we all have Christmas disasters like that. You know, my, my mum dropped the turkey once. I think we all uh, we all have family stories, don't we, about uh, disasters, <laughs> usually involving animals as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about about the the dog that ate the Christmas cake was that there was a quite quite a big family, I think, around. And she she said it was the way she said it. Um, she said, "If I die tomorrow, I've had a good life." Mm-hmm. And it was just absolutely brought you up short. And you think, yeah, like, yeah. I want to be yeah. like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was aspirational, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much, Kath and Kath, the two Caths. <laughs> <laughs> a great interview. Thank you. So if you've been inspired by this podcast episode, then we would love to hear from you. We love hearing your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you. You can get in touch via email, hello at thegeordieguidetohappiness.co.uk, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Geordie Guide, or on Facebook, The Geordie Guide to Happiness. And as always, I want to give a shout out to our funders. This project wouldn't be possible without support from the Newcastle Cultural Investment Fund at the Community Foundation. So thank you so much for your support. So that's it. We've reached the end of another episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the Geordie Guide to Happiness so far. Take care and see you all again next week for another episode. (laughs) 